Welcome back to the PFC Podcast. The views and opinions you are about to hear are the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of anyone else. Now on to the podcast. Welcome back to the PFC Podcast. This is Dennis, and today I am with Ricky Ditzel. How are you doing, Ricky? Good, man. Happy New Year. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Happy New Year to you as well. So it's also about that time when submissions come in. Um, So how is that process looking? Process is looking good. Uh, So, you know, I am a board member at large at SOMSA or SOMA, and we do have SOMSA coming up. So I will put that disclaimer out here. Um, Process is going good. We're using a new service this year. Uh, that helps streamline the process uh, for our reviewers and also is what allows us to have that CME accreditation for anybody who attends the conference from medics to physician, which is super important for everybody's credentials. But uh, process is going smooth so far, I would say. We have a lot of lot of medic submissions that I personally know about, and that always fires me up, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think they've been underrepresented in years past, so hopefully we can get that turned around. Um, so of those medics, right, there's the first part of the process is just getting your idea past the board. Uh, the next is spring, the spring you're going to have to actually do the job, right, and give a presentation. So since you've given lots of them, uh, let's talk about how to do it right. Yeah, I'd say the, the way to do it right is uh, there's some layers to it. So I would say that there's the submission process, like Dennis brought up, the presentation style, and then maintaining all the work you just did, and then making sure that it doesn't just die at SOMSA, uh, because there's a reason you put all that work in in the first place. It's it's got to be something that's so important that we're talking about this. Uh, probably the biggest military medical conference that's not purely research focused, right? That's more of like an MHSRS thing. Uh, so that that that's kind of the big differentiator. So how do you create a good presentation submission? Well, you have to first start probably with your literature review if you're not doing a vignette. If you're doing a vignette, we'll talk about that in a bit. So say you want to talk about, I don't know, um, the use of local honey to treat uh, open wounds or pressure ulcers or, I don't know, help with allergies. That's pretty common discussion amongst some 18 series folks when they're traveling other countries trying to use local supplies for medical needs. So that's not a presentation I know about, but it's an interesting topic. So what you would want to do for that is honestly start with a lit review use something like google scholar use pubmed.gov and just search and the way those websites work is they use and or commas and you would just start with things like honey and uh, pressure wound or you know local honey and allergies or whatever the topic is just start out with dr google right see see what their answer gives you and you want to start collecting these resources because any claim that you make you want it to have a foundation in the literature uh, you don't want it unless it's completely novel. But you know, as the good Ted Redman always says, there's never been a new idea since 1776. So uh, someone out there has probably looked into this topic in the past, and they probably published on it. So I would start there first. Get in the literature, see who's talked about it, see who hasn't, and identify what the niche or the gap that you're trying to talk about as a medic. Um, from there, once you have these resources that you can make your claims off of, now it's time to bring your style, bring your flair. So for the submission, you want to have a pretty clear... Uh, goal with your uh, terminal learning objectives, which all the medics, especially you know, all the enlisted guys are really uh, familiar with, is making TLOs or making some type of objective for their talk. Make sure you know what you're trying to get across to the audience. What do you want people to take home after listening to you talk for 20 to 35 minutes? What Do you want them to just remember that, like, hey, it was a good talk? Or do you want them to be chewing on the, the things that you brought to them uh, as they leave this conference? And ultimately, the goal should be for the medics is, if you're going to talk about something, 
the goal should be that medics and the audience or providers in the audience bring it back to their team rooms and then discuss it uh, and and help you know advance the force. So I think great examples of this are things like the prolonged field care working group, right? You had some really smart medics say, hey, this is a gap in our care. We have these ideas and these objectives. Here's what the literature says. And a whole entire working group podcast and practice came out of all that, right? Or you look at combat casualty care, T-Tri-C, same thing. Hey, there's this problem and we want to talk about it. SOMSA is a great place for all that. So um, that's what I would, that's, that's kind of my big uh, thing to about any presentation, at least presentation submission. It should clearly state what the goals are. It should be backed by literature if literature exists on the subject. And then you should have a goal in mind with what you want the audience take to take away from it beyond just listening to you talk. Right. And I think you got to be also honest, I guess, with your literature review. You can't just go to imright.com and get 12 sources that confirm everything you say. Um, you have to be honest, right? Um, when you, I think, to build any great uh, presentation and any kind of great argument, you have to know both sides of the story in order to give the right context of why you're think this thing is a good idea in this situation. Yeah, most definitely. And if, if you're not ready for that, you're going to get asked, right? It's a medical conference and people are paying to come to this conference for a reason. And I think I'm from personal experience, I had really intelligent physicians question uh, things that I said on stage before. And luckily we had looked at the other side when we were working on our project and I was able to answer those questions, but it's not a comfortable feeling uh, to be asked a simple question that is the opposite of your argument, like nothing that's even abstract and not be ready for it. So I think Dennis brings up an excellent point. As far as speaking goes, though, as far as building your presentation, uh, you know, PowerPoint still kind of the standard. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, you could try and use a different software, but PowerPoint works pretty decent. Um, you want the read. You want the audience to be listening to what you're saying and absorbing what you're saying. You don't want them fighting to read what's on your slide and feel like they can't keep up. That's a big common mistake. Um, the other thing is you want references on your slides with slide numbers. So someone, if they have a question, can always reference the slide number when they're asking the question, or they can take notes and be like, oh man, that slide four had like such good information on I need, I need to see that again. So make sure that you have an attractive PowerPoint that forces people, not forces, but I guess forces people to listen to what you're saying, uh, because that's the whole point of your presentation. If the goal of a conference was to have people read slide decks, we would just email out everybody your slide decks and there would be no soms that right so what you bring to the table is that voice and that stage presence uh so make your powerpoint fun have a couple bullet points per slide that you want people to bring home uh have nice figures or graphs have pictures if you're talking about treatment if you can show pictures if you're describing an environment you're in if you have pictures of it use them if you can't get the exact environment you're in try and use google images right and just cite that you're using google images paint allowing people to kind of step into your world is really helpful and encapsulate that audience. Uh, I know when I've spoken at Soms in the past on a couple of different presentations, you know, I've used a couple animations. You want to be careful with overdoing the animations, right? Because it can be distracting. Um, other things that I, I guess worked well from personal experience is um, I would kind of what I already said, just a couple bullet points here and there. Graphs help a lot of people out. Visualizing data is very helpful rather than just raw data. Um, and then just owning that stage is probably my biggest piece of advice is being really confident what you're talking about and also being really comfortable with what you're talking about. Right. And I think you can really tell a speaker who knows his material well by how he sets up his, his PowerPoint. I mean, there's a lot of people that, that talk smack about PowerPoint. 
Um, to me, it's like talking smack about a wrench. Like it's <laughs> it's just a tool. It's on how the operator actually uses it. So if somebody if somebody actually knows this information very well, really doesn't need the PowerPoint at all. It's just there to um, give maybe some kind of visual cues, um, maybe some added spice presentation. But overall, they really don't need it. So I would say definitely you have to own that material. The better you own it, then uh, the less you actually need from PowerPoint and the more streamlined it can actually be. Yeah, for sure. And I, th I think the other thing is uh, know your style, know what works for you. I am not a show notes guy or not a show notes. I'm not a PowerPoint notes guy when I'm talking because I find myself reading. And if I'm on the stage reading, then I'm not discussing and talking about what I should already have been really prepared to talk about. So I'm a breadcrumb kind of person. Uh, and so I like to follow a breadcrumb trail. So I put, I put like pro words throughout my presentation so that I know what I'm supposed to be going after. Uh, so if I do use PowerPoint notes, there's maybe one or two words in it, or I'll bring a note card uh, and I'll put like on each slide, like a, one word or two words, and that'll trigger my mind of what I'm trying to get across on the slide. So um, that helps me a lot. I've seen a lot of speakers who will put full scripts into their notes and there's nothing in my opinion more annoying than sitting in an audience and you know someone's reading their entire presentation to you. Um, it's just not fun. It's not engaging. And I feel like I'm being lectured more so than having a nice like conference discussion. Right. Well, it sounds like somebody's like hiding behind something. Like they right. don't want to look you in the eye. They don't want to talk to you. They want to just put out this information and then hurry up and get off the stage. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, we need more, we need more medic speakers at SOMZO. It's super important. Why? Because medics are the, are the super end user. And there's a lot of really great people that come to SOMZO from the research side to the command side, uh, to just the overall physician, nurse practitioner, PA side, where they're the ones who are driving policy change, practice change. And then they're, if they're a provider, like a battalion surgeon, they're the ones who are going to change the, the rules back at their ODA or their at bat or whatever. And, you know, we're also inviting a, a bunch of uh, conventional military leaders this year as well. So if you're a medic out there sitting on an idea and you listen to this podcast, one, if you listen to this podcast, you're obviously interested in getting the latest and greatest uh, information regarding austere care, especially prolonged field care. But that means that you probably think a lot about medicine. You care a lot uh, if you're going out of your way to listen to something niche like this, right? So submit, go for it. If you need help, reach out, right? Um, hit me up on LinkedIn, find me on Instagram, email me, whatever, because we're helping a couple of medics out right now with their submissions. And that's the whole, that's the whole goal. This year with SOMSA that we're, we changed some things up. There's multiple opportunities for medics to get face-to-face, -face, military medics, to get face-to-face -face with researchers and policy change makers in multiple domains. And they're going to be closed door sessions. Okay. So you're not going to have to compete with anybody outside of the military, and you're going to get direct access to share your ideas and share your insights uh, with industry changers. So, you know, we're trying to help you guys out from the organization standpoint, but we need you guys to submit uh, so that we can get um, get your great ideas out there and, and really show what you're bringing to the table. So of, of the, uh, the medic presentations in the past, what were some of the common mistakes or things that uh, made a presentation less than awesome? Uh, I guess something that made presentation less than awesome, changing your changing your tone throughout. If you start off confident and the next thing you know, you're kind of whispering throughout the presentation, kind of a clear indicator that you came in underprepared or you're just not comfortable public speaking, uh, which I can understand. But uh, the other thing is 
when it's been obvious that someone hasn't practiced where they're constantly doing, I can't do it because it's audio only, but they're doing the aggressive body turn to look back at the material on the, <laughs> on the screen because they're constantly forgetting where they're at. And then I would say, this, is, uh, this isn't uh, a quick mission brief, right? So this isn't the time to curse and have a dip in. Uh, this isn't that type of environment. Um, so I, I've seen that before too, where guys treat it kind of just like a, we're in a field exercise. And, yeah, I'm giving a brief at the Humvee, you know, type thing. Uh, it's just not that opportunity for that. Um, you know, Somza is a great place to speak, whether you're going to do 20 years or not. Uh, if you end up transitioning off active duty to try and go to nursing school or PA school, medical school, you know, one of those things, this conference is a great resume bullet. Uh, if you spoke, spoke at it, you never know who's in the audience that you can meet also. So yeah, I think those are the pitfalls. Most people do really well. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's not just medics. I mean, it's everybody, you know, everybody's seen yeah. great ones and not so great ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to present then take it seriously, represent yourself, your community well. Um, and that's done through research and preparation and practice, just like just like anything else. Yeah, and I mean, the medics crush vignettes better than anybody. The medics do vignettes better than anybody. Uh, I think it's the traditional lecture style presentation they struggle with because it's out of their, it's out of our comfort zone. Uh, unless you've done it first college, and then you know most people haven't had to do presentations like that for college in our community because they either do something that's online or they haven't been yet. Uh, so. It's a good opportunity to step outside of your comfort zone. Uh, ask your physician staff, your PAs that you work with for help. Uh, they'll be more than glad to help you set up one of these presentations, I'm sure. And and I, just go for it. Uh, there's a group of dudes right now who submitted an abstract that I'm really excited about that has to deal with some maggots. And it's a couple 18 deltas. So they're bringing the heat with a lot of literature. So that's that's definitely what to look out for. I've never heard maggots and bringing the heat, uh, <laughs> definitely, but... Um, that sounds pretty interesting anyway. Um, so is the deadline already passed as far as uh, submitting for presentations? Uh, December December 15th or December 20th, I think, was the initial call for abstracts deadline uh, for everybody. However, uh, if you're a medic, send it in anyways. Just shoot your shot. Um, if I get yelled at for that, then I'll get yelled at for that. But uh, if you're a medic and you, you want to submit, I would say submit because we're always looking for more medic speakers. Um, so we, we can make something work. Right. And um, you know, people drop out or things mm -hmm. fall through, whatever it is, and you need people as a backup. Oh, yeah. Always, 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 always. Um, another thing, uh, what about like timing? Like if they say you have an hour or half hour, whatever it is, how do you time it? Yeah, I think typically we give guidance. So it would be like you have 45 minutes, you know, give 15 for, for Q&A, 30 for speaking. Um, I try and hit that 30 on the dot for me specifically because that's just my style. But I speak really fast, so I have to consciously slow that down. So I think my first Soms, uh, I had 30 minutes and I spoke in like 18 or 22 minutes. So I was blazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, there should be guidance if it's 45 split it 30 15 if you'd like if it's an hour go 40 20 the more information you're bringing if you have more time then there should be more questions or more dialogue or more comments from the audience that will engage in more more dialogue um i think it's really painful as an audience member when someone has 30 minutes to speak plus questions and they do it in 28 and then only like one question gets asked or two questions gets asked and then now you're in the 
you never get to you know have this awesome dialogue especially if it's a really important topic so i think as speakers you should definitely want your audience to have the opportunity to ask you questions yeah absolutely um i mean how do you how do you control i guess those those questions because i would imagine as a, as a teacher sometimes i get nervous about who's getting ready to ask questions so how do you deal with that kind of pressure because sometimes you got people that are sharpshooters and some people are just have difficult questions uh, that are honest questions yeah um be honest just be honest right if you got selected to speak you got selected to speak for a reason and no one's expecting you to know every single thing about the topic if someone is if, if you're a medic and you have a you know someone with higher degrees sharpshooting you in the audience and it's very obvious that they're sharpshooting you they're just going to make a fool out of themselves, you know, and everybody will know it and they'll remember it. It's a small community. Um, but you should prepare for some hard questions, right? You should challenge yourself. So if you're going to talk about like an airway adjunct, pretty popular soft medic thing to talk about, right? You want to talk about successive cricothyroidotomies or something. You should know some mortality study data. You should know some in-hospital and out-of-hospital data. You should know the complication rates associated with this thing. You should know about ventilator compliance. Like you, you should go one degree to two degrees of separation away from your main thesis so that you have that availability to ask those to answer those questions one thing we learned at my old organization that they kind of mess with us on on purpose to prepare us for these types of engagements is if it's in your presentation you're you're liable right so if you're talking about ventilators and say you just want to talk about a ventilator device so you give a whole presentation about a ventilator device but somewhere in that presentation you bring up ketamine use for vent management you better know everything about ketamine right so that was like the rule at the, my active duty organization that I served at was if it's in your presentation, it's fair game. So that, that helps me prepare as well. Yeah. Wise words. Um, is there anything else as far as uh, being prepared for giving a talk, maybe some tips on uh, reducing your nerves and trying to find some other ways to get practice before the actual day? Yeah. Um, I, I think practice before the actual day, the old classic, give the talk in a mirror helps really well because you can see yourself. So you can see any weird hand movements you're making. If you're touching your face in super awkward ways that you don't even realize because we have all these subconscious movements when we're speaking, that's a good one. Recording yourself and then playing it is really, really rough sometimes because you'll hear, you'll just hear weird phrases that you, you may have made up or how many ums you said or what your cadence of your speaking is if you want to edit that. So that's a good method. You can use your iPhone or whatever you got to do that. It doesn't need to be fancy. I think speaking to a non-military audience is really good. Like if you have your wife or husband or whatever you have at home or some friends, because if you can get them to understand what you're saying, then you're doing really well, right? Because they have no bias or background concept for the most part about what you're talking about. And if you can explain that to them, then, then you can definitely get it across to your military uh, audience. And then lastly, take some breaths. As always, that works really well. Have some extra water because your mouth might go dry if those nerves kick in. And I think something that helps as well is instead of leaning on the podium, you know, maybe one hand in a pocket and one hand on the podium, for some reason that really helps calm nerves. Uh, typically the double pocket technique's not, <laughs> not, not uh, people's favorites, but the one hand in the pocket can seem to be really helpful because you got the clicker in one hand, you got a hand in your other pocket, kind of can put those nerves away. So that's what I would say for prep and execution. Yeah, definitely leave the uh, remote in the hand that is not in the pocket because <laughs> you want people to focus on your presentation. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, well, uh, I don't know. Is there anything as far as presentations goes that uh, you'd like to add that I missed? Uh, not as, not for presentations. I think that 
covers everything. Uh, one thing that I, I enjoy about presentations is knowing what the thesis is pretty early on. Uh, so that's the last piece of advice I would give is if you're going to talk, if you're going to talk about how to podcast and it takes 15 slides to get to that topic, then I'm going to be just lost and confused. You don't want to do that to somebody. Uh, so something that I do is I usually give that bottom line up front right away. Uh, so there's this book and I, I'm blanking on the author. It's called Brief. Uh, and there's this guy who makes his, it's his whole like career is teaching people how to brief. Basically, you give people the bottom line up front. So your bluff. So what that main point is, you want to then transition to the relevancy of the topic, right? So bottom line up front, cricothyroidotomies are a manageable surgical intervention for pre-hospital providers in austere environments. Uh, this is important because we have X amount of medics deployed in this location, if you can say stuff like that. And we need to have emergent airway techniques because using paralytics is um, all the reasons why paralytics are complicated for a soft medic, right? In certain environments. So that's your relevancy. That's why, so you gave your bottom line front, you gave the relevancy. The next thing is the information. So they call it information cubed. And the reason is, is because depending on your time, audience level, and I say audience level is education. Um, you want to layer the level of the depth of the information you're giving, right? So if I'm talking in the team room to a bunch of shooters about why criking is better than innovating, I don't probably need to go into the hard science about um, vent compliance and drug compliance and um, let's see, let me make something, let me pull some denitrogenation or you know something like that or hyperoxygenation or anything like that. Right. Because the team guys don't need it. They just need to know like, oh, okay, doc, we get it. You, you cut someone's throat because uh, putting the tube down the throat is, is stupid. Okay, got it, got it, got it. However, if I'm talking to respiratory therapists only, then I would go deeper. So for something like Soma, my information cubed is somewhere in that second layer with a little bit of three in it and then a, a little bit of one in it, right? So I want to kind of be in that middle floating between the two layers because I want to appeal to a massive audience. There might be an EMT, there might be Pierre Noel in the audience, right? Or an Andre Cap level genius in the audience. And there might be a brand new Sockham who just happened to have a ticket to Soma, right? So you want to get this information across the whole audience. Next thing you want to do in this brief out algorithm acronym is evaluate. So you always want to leave that audience to, to make sure that they've, they're tracking what you're saying. Now, for something like Soma, it probably wouldn't work. You're not going to ask your audience a question and be like, hey, so what is the success rate of uh, cricothyroidotomies? Because you're not going to, that's stupid. You're not teaching this mm -hmm. style. It works really well. Uh, if you're teaching your team or you're at, uh, an instructor. And the last thing is follow-up. Now, follow-up is great. There should be a way for people in the audience at Soms to follow up with you, whether it's your email, um, your cell phone number, if you're that hyped about your topic, or if you're the social media website person, slap that on there. Because if your idea is really important, people at the conference will reach out to you. So just to recap, using the acronym BRIEF is really helpful. So your bottom line up front, your relevancy to the audience and the subject matter, your information cubed, so the layers that you speak at, evaluation, uh, if you want it, probably not for something like Silmza, and then always have a chance for people to follow up. Yeah, sounds very good. Um, oh, I'm good. Are you? Yeah, I mean, I would like to just plug the conference a little bit, sure. what we got going on this year. So this year, we're going to have some different things and you probably seen before we're taking the feedback really seriously um yes somza will still have a lot of physicians yes it will still have a lot of civilians that's the beauty of somza uh, having different thoughts and different disciplines is super important it's the medical association okay so we want all these different thought leaders but there are planned right now and in, in in schedule to have a lot of like i said policy change makers uh and researchers to have opportunity for medics to speak so we're 
standing instead of changing the names of the tracks, we're going to be doing some focus areas. So Millsoft will still be Millsoft, Human Performance will still be Human Performance. But uh, something I stood up uh, with a couple other people is we'll be having a brain health track focus within Human Performance. So we're going to be I surveyed a bunch of medics on us, uh, through some group chats, a couple hundred people, if not over a thousand people, uh, with about 25 different topic titles and let the community vote on what topics they felt they needed at the end user level uh, for their attendance at SOMSA. So it was really great to have that interaction with the medics and get them to tell me what they want uh, from researchers, from doctors, and from other medics speaking on brain health topics. So that'll be available, uh, this kind of brain health track focus. We're going to be bringing in some university vendory type people for the second half initiative better than we have before so it'll be more opportunity to talk about to talk to people if you're transitioning uh and not just look at gear and cool medical supplies in the basement right so that's something different we're going to be having a think tank day on the same thing with the brain health so we're bringing in leaders from the dha uh to get feedback from you as end users to say hey what do you need from us us policymakers what do you Feel like you're missing that we're already doing and we're failing to communicate it and get it down to you and then what research areas and or protocols do you guys need to succeed at your level so that's a big one that i'm really excited for and i know the dha folks uh, are excited for because um that the brain health thing is pretty popular with the community right now so that's happening and then there's another same style that's going to happen on different days and different times so if you're a medic you have opportunity to go to both uh is basically from the field to the research table day uh, so once again, we're going to be bringing in DOD researchers and product makers, so not industry folks. So there's no like concerns for conflict or like reimbursement and you know stuff like that. But uh, and then having a closed door session where the medics can be like, "Hey, this is what's good with my kit. This is what's failing in my kit," and get that direct end user feedback right to the people who develop the stuff. So we're really trying to get your voices heard beyond just talking about things like maggot debridement or vignettes. Uh, combat vignettes, which are extremely, extremely important. However, changing policy and changing clinical practice, because you guys are out there in the field getting after it every single day, uh, I think is an extreme value that we're adding to the conference this year. And we're really excited. So I think if you're a medic and you just, that's, that's enough of a reason to come to this conference alone <laughs> is yeah, to get access yeah. to those, to those people and, and yell at them or get in arguments and just have really good open dialogue. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's, it sounds great. If you're a medic and you're struggling with your research proposal or topic, um, you can definitely, I'd say you can reach out and email me if you want. Uh, I'm trying to think of email for you to reach out to. Um, I'll get Dennis to put in the show notes, I guess, or something. But okay. <laughs> you could DM me on Instagram or get my contact info from Dennis if you have it or just email Dennis and he can connect us. But I would say that I'd be more than happy to look at your presentation. I don't choose which presentations go at SOMS as a board member. So there's no like conflicts here, which is great. Um, and I'm just trying to get more and more, more and more medics to get access to speaking because it changed my career for the future. So hopefully that can happen for somebody else as well. Awesome. Hey, thank you, Ricky. Anytime. For today's podcast, be sure to go to our website, www.prolongfieldcare.org. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Subscribe and stay on the bleeding edge of combat medicine. This is Dennis for the PFC Podcast. Our boy is waiting there for you.